Hi everyone, this week we are joined by Brittany Ladson. She is a third year med student at the MSU College of Osteopathic Medicine. Think about going into emergency medicine. Uh, this is a really interesting conversation. I learned a lot about the medical field and I hope you will too. Enjoy. Welcome, could you introduce yourself quickly like name and area of study? Yeah, um, my name is Brittany Ladson. I am a third year medical student at the College of Osteopathic Medicine at Michigan State. And I am currently rotating at Sparrow Hospital. So I'm staying local, go green. And I'm thinking about emergency medicine, but I have interest in psych and maybe even OB. What's, what's OB? Um, obstetrics and gynecology. Okay. So when babies get born, those are the docs that take care of them. Okay, very cool. Can you, so like I, I don't have much of like a biology or health background at all. Um, so could you explain briefly like what is the dip, like there's osteopath, osteopathic medicine and then there's not osteopathic medicine. <laughs> what is the difference between the two? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so there's osteopathic and allopathic medicine. There's also naturopathic, but they're not really, um, viewed as equals in the United States. Um, they don't do as much training as um, the other two groups do. Um, but osteopathic medicine, those are DOs and it's the same education as an MD, except on top of what we both learn, um, DOs will also learn um, a hands-on technique. It's called osteopathic manipulative therapy or OMT for short. And um, I hate to say it's kind of chiropractic, but that's really the best way to describe it in that it's a um, hands-on technique and it's used to align the spine and align the muscles to make you feel better, kind of treat those aches and pains. Oh, okay, very interesting. So what led you into medicine to begin with? Um, yeah, I thought for a long time <laughs> I wanted to be like working in an office because like all my whole family does accounting, finance, that stuff. Um, I really don't have any family members in the medical field. And so when they had, you know, fifth grade, tell us what you want to do when you grow up. I said, I want to work in an office. I want to be an accountant. And so I got an internship starting at my dad's work. Realized sitting at a desk all day is not fun. Not for me. Way too boring, mundane. And I don't like the people. <laughs> so I was like, let's switch it up big time to see if I like the other end of the spectrum. Being on my feet all day. Um, working with patients. So I started actually shadowing in a PT office and I liked working with patients. I liked being on my feet, but I didn't like how routine PT was, like physical therapy. Um, it was for an, um, a geriatric population. So it was really just, they needed a whole body, head to toe strengthening and conditioning. Um, so I found it kind of boring, but I knew I was on the right track at that point. And so around like the middle of high school, end of high school, I started shadowing um, at a hospital and that's when I really knew like this is the environment I'm looking for. This is the type of clinical situation I'm um, hoping to work in one day. So that's when I settled on medicine, went to MSU for undergrad, did pre-med and I'm still here now at MSU doing medical school. Oh, very cool. So why, why is your current path like emergency medicine? Why are you going that route versus like other routes or it just seems like there's a lot of options out there. I don't know how you choose. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, there's so many different fields of medicine. There literally is something for everyone. So if you, I mean, me, I'm an adrenaline junkie. 
I also have like a little ADD. So it's like my mind can go in a hundred directions at the same time and that will work. So the emergency room is definitely like that. I'm currently rotating in the ER right now and I absolutely love it. So there's a little bit of everything. You have your strokes, heart attacks, traumas. You have, um, the, I mean, literally anything comes to the door and you never know what's gonna come to the door. Uh, there's crazy psychotic stuff. There's crazy um, like assault stuff. So for me, I like the diversity. I like being on my feet. I like dealing with all kinds of people from all types of backgrounds. And that's really the most conducive to emergency medicine. And then on top of that, I love procedures. So I love to do IVs. I love to do injections. So there's a lot of that going on. Very cool. So um, what does like your day-to-day -day in terms of like, like you just said, you just came from the hospital. Like what do your actual like tasks or duties sort of look like? Like, yeah. <laughs> So um, during your third and fourth year, that's when you start doing rotations. Um, your first two years are more book work and practice simulation patients. But now is the fun stuff. So as a third year um, in the emergency room, uh, we have shift work, which is really nice. It's um, an eight hour shift. We get there around 5.45, leave around like 2.45ish. And um, we pick up any patients that we think would be beneficial to our learning. So if you wanna see, um, acute chest pain or you want to see someone had um, a nail gun hit him in the, the thigh today so we had to pull the nail out like anything that seems interesting and like you're never gonna you know see it twice in one day is what we try to aim to do we also have like a checklist of things we're given to do so today I did my first um, uh, insulin injection like a subcutaneous injection um, doing vaccinations trying to get our hands-on procedures more fluid um, not so like shaky and worried and asking questions. So that's really the goal of what we're there to do is just see diverse pathology and get our hands on some patients. Okay, very cool. So do you, I'm assuming you must be like alongside like a doctor or a nurse or something or like a long, you know, like, is it just you or is it like a group of you that kind of like all go through this together? Yeah, so there's always um, just one med student for uh, the emergency room because there's kind of not enough going on for more than a couple people because you want to get as much as you get out of each shift. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll hang out with a nurse when I'm practicing my IVs and my ABGs, which are arterial blood gases. Um, and then a lot of times the residents and the attending physicians will be cool with us going to see a patient as long as it's not like a life or death, you know, mm -hmm. issue. And so we can go and talk to them, figure out what's happening and then report back and present the case to them. Um, so they give us as much freedom as they think we deserve, which is nice. You have to earn it. So you're never going to walk in the first day doing things at all independently because they don't know you and they don't know what negative things you're capable of. Um, but yeah, this is my, I think, sixth shift in the ED. And so they know that I'm not going to kill anyone. So they can let me do kind of whatever I ask. Well, do you have like something to get my knowledge of medicine from Grey's Anatomy? So like, I'm not sure how accurate this is, <laughs> but do you just have like crazy long shifts like as a student or do they kind of try to break it up a little bit more so you're not overwhelmed? They do try to break it up into about like eight hours 
roundabouts. Um, however, our, do, our shifts are at all types of the day. So we have morning shift, we also have overnights, weekends, holidays, um, Halloween coming up, mm -hmm. football games coming up. Um, we're expected to be there, um, but sometimes that's when the cool stuff comes through the door. Very cool. Uh, then, then this must be like an interesting time to do it, especially with like all the COVID stuff going on. Like I imagine it's like, oh, then that's just one extra layer of chaos. <laughs> yeah, so right now students are allowed to be back in the hospitals rotating, which is fantastic. Um, students were pulled off between March and July. So we've only been back for a few months, but they do allow us to see COVID patients, which is a great learning experience. Um, to me, it's not like I'm afraid for my life because they do provide us all the PPE that we need. So we go, we have our N95s, our simple masks on top, face shield, we have gowns, gloves, and um, sterile equipment inside the room. So I feel completely safe being in there. Um, I know yesterday I saw almost exclusively COVID patients. There's definitely an uptick in the ED right now of older people experiencing complications from COVID. Um, but today there weren't so many, but I love seeing them. It's very interesting. It's really a very unique time to be anything in medicine, nurse, doctor, medical student. It's really crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine so. So you said like typically third and fourth years do these rotations, right? What does like the typical cat path look like then after that is like after your fourth year, then typically you're done and then you do um, the, the next thing, the residencies. I'm, I'm struggling to find the words. <laughs> but. So the way it works is after, well, the third year is dedicated to doing all the core rotations. So core meaning like your basic um, type of rotation. So we do OB, family med, surgery, um, the emergency room, radiology, anesthesia, pediatrics, and internal and um, I don't I don't know if I said neurology yet but so there's like about 10 that we do we all have to do them and fourth year is more our choice so we try to figure out what we like and don't like and then we'll do some more specific rotations so I'll probably be back in the emergency room a lot more during my fourth year because I think that's what I want to do and then March of your fourth year is what's called match day and it's a very exciting or scary or sad, depending on what happens, type of day. And that's when you have submitted your application. It's kind of like the day you find out what college you're going to, essentially. Um, it happens on the same day for everyone. So it's kind of cool, like all fourth year med students are going through this at the exact same time as you are. And that's the day that the, um, the hospital and the program, the specialty, will let you know if you've got it or not. So you'll decide what hospital you want to do your residency at and then what program. So if you're wanting to do emergency or pediatrics, things like that. And then after that, um, July 1st of that year is when all residencies start. So you are considered an intern your first year. And so that's kind of the year they kind of haze you and they want you to see a little bit of everything in whatever you're doing. So for emergency, they put you in the ICU for a month, they put you in pediatric emergency for a month and various other mini rotations, I guess. And then during your second and third year, you are exclusively working in the emergency department, really perfecting your craft. Because after your third year of residency, you are finally done with school. You take your last set of board exams 
and then you are a board certified emergency um, physician. Okay, very cool. So when you are then doing your residency, is it, are you still can nearby, like around here or is it sort of like, I, I think of like student teaching as like the example is like, you may go to school to this, but when you actually do your student teaching somewhere, like you can't sit, you could be anywhere more or less like in the state. Is that similar to how like the residencies work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so residencies can um, take place at any teaching hospital across the whole US. So you can really find a spot that works best for you, things that are close to home, things that are close to maybe something you know, that's significant to you. Um, a lot of people that, sorry, do their residency, sorry, my cat. Um, a lot of people that do their residencies choose to apply to work at that hospital as an attending physician. So if you're thinking you wanna stay in an area after residency, that's kind of what people think about when they choose where to go. Uh, for me, I love the East Lansing and Greater Lansing community. Um, I've been a Spartan for so long, and so I would love to do my residency at either McLaren or Sparrow here in Lansing. I don't know what the future holds, unfortunately, but I can always just keep my fingers crossed and see what happens. Very cool. Are you from the Lansing area to begin with? I am not. I'm from the Macomb area. It's near Detroit. Um, I have a lot of siblings. They like to party a lot and I can't do all that here as a medical student. So I need my privacy and, and quiet time. Fair, fair. So did you purposely come to MSU then to, because they had the osteopathic school here? Yeah, so I think MSU is absolutely the best med school in this state in the very least. Um, they have fantastic study abroad programs, international outreach, um, they do a lot of work with those experiencing homelessness in the Lansing area. And these are things that I'm really interested in because I'm thinking about doing Doctors Without Borders in the future. Um, so I love the idea of doing like resource limited medicine, really like using your hands, using your mind to really cure someone versus just running slews of tests, you know, scanning head to toe to figure things out. So I really like the puzzle behind medicine and Additionally, the international outreach is super important because I'm not a fluent native Spanish speaker and I'm really trying to develop that skill while doing medical school, which is very challenging. It's, I can't take classes in med school and classes in Spanish because med school is enough right now. Um, so the idea that they have programs that I can go to is, it was super important for me. I only applied to one med school because I knew if I didn't get in, I wasn't interested in going anywhere else. Uh, which is very risky. No one really does that. It's not a smart thing to do, but I knew that'd be the best thing for me. Yeah, that does, that sounds scary. Like, <laughs> yeah. I do that for undergrad. I applied to several schools for undergrad and those are more, those are easier to get into than med school. Did you have like a backup plan? Like in the event of like, maybe I'll be an accountant now. <laughs> you know what? I don't know if I was just that stupid, but I did not have a backup plan. I knew what my journey was going to be. I'm just lucky that it happened on the first cycle that I tried. Some people have to apply more than once, which is totally fine, but I really didn't have a backup plan. Uh, what I probably would have ended up doing was just working as a nursing assistant because I had a license in it. Doing that for a year, getting more shadowing hours, clinical exposure, 
things that would build my resume and then try again. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so I'll get, go back in time a little bit. You had mentioned that you had done like an internship. It sounded like in, when you were in high school. Is that right? When you're. Yeah, so I started shadowing when I was um, at the end of high school, beginning of college. I actually shadowed at Sparrow, so it was so cool to come back as a med student. Um, and yeah, so I was shadowing in internal medicine. So I was seeing just like diverse pathology on the floor, um, COPD, CHF, um, heart failure of all kinds, just every type of chronic condition that someone could not take care of is pretty much what they're seeing. So it was cool just to get out there and see something different. I also shadowed a little bit in radiology, but realized it's just like hard to keep your eyes open sometimes when you do that, because it's a little bit boring. Um, but at least being on the floor, that, that was more my speed. So I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was really cool to come back as a med student and do my rotations at Sparrow after doing all that work. Very cool. So then you're an undergrad and you're pre-med, correct? Is, like, is that an actual major or are you doing like biology with a pre-med emphasis? I don't know how MSU does it. Yeah, so there's not a specific pre-med major. You can major in anything you want, actually. Most students will choose chemistry, physiology, human biology, genetics, things like that that are science specific and have that clinical component to it. But you can really major in like Spanish or uh, business as long as you get your pre-med prerequisites in in order to successfully take the MCAT and apply to medical school with the requirements that they, um, they require. Okay, okay, that, make, that makes sense. Um, how was the MCAT experience? I know I hear, <laughs> I hear stories about it. <laughs> Say that again? I'm sorry, I missed it. How was the MCAT experience? I, so, I did not take the MCAT, actually. There's a program oh. here at MSU for undergrads that if you complete all the requirements of the program, you can get automatic acceptance into the College of Osteopathic Medicine. They've changed oh. it a little bit now, so it's more so you get like an automatic interview versus acceptance. But that's what I did, and um, it was another reason I chose to apply to MSU Com because they really supported your learning and just getting familiar with what Com is like before you actually matriculated to them. Okay, very nice. That sounds that sounds like a really good program. I guess that's another reason to come here <laughs> for that. Yeah, it's called the Osteopathic Medical Scholars Program, and I literally suggest it to anyone because it's not just you know guaranteeing you get into med school. It's really requiring you to do research, uh, shadow, volunteer hear from physicians, go to meetings, network with pre-meds. It really requires you to do all the things you should probably do anyways, um, and just gives you more support and familiar, familiarizes yourself with the medical school altogether. So does that mean like when you're an undergrad, do you have to go through some sort of other like application process or, or something like that to go through that? Because it seems like you would just give that to anyone, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so you apply as a high school senior, and then you do a four-year program. So we have meetings every other week. We have to do additional classes that are only for the OMSP program. And we also have to do that whole checklist of stuff. We have to meet with them, um, see what our progress is. But yeah, you have to apply as a high school senior. There's an interview, application, the whole shebang. Okay, very interesting. Yeah, that sounds cool because then it's like more directly related to what you're doing. And then you're not 
like reliant on a test where I, I guess I don't know about the MCAT, but I know like in our case, like we take the GRE or the physics GRE or something like in, in physics at least. And it's like, well, it's a stressful thing that doesn't really demonstrate knowledge of how well you'll do. <laughs> yeah, and I've also thought about after medical school doing an MPH, which would require me to take the GRE. So I've already started looking into studying for it because I'm familiar with how to study for board exams for medical school, which are very similar to like comprehensives or GREs and things like that. But I've never actually done the GRE. I've never done that to entrance exam. So be a new That's experience a and I'm not entirely on board yet, but it's something I'm thinking wow. of. What's an MPH? Masters said? of Public Health. Okay. Because I want okay. to do the Jackson's Up Borders and I think that'd be really nice to supplement my medical school education with. Okay. What does the Doctors Without Borders program sort of look like? Right. So I know of its existence and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, so the way it works is that they require you to do med school and residency in the US. And then they require you to do two years of working as a, an attending physician, like post-residency for at least two years. After that, they allow you to apply. They're looking for um, primarily like emergency med physicians, OBs, uh, peds or pediatrics, and just like general family practice internal medicine physicians uh, with a broad range of skills to go. Um, it's based out of France actually, but most work is done in South America, Caribbean, and Africa. I've never really felt a strong pull to Africa. I've never been there, probably never will. However, uh, South America I've traveled to many times, mostly with school and getting the exposure to medicine there, to healthcare practices, to the Spanish language, all those things I thought was um, fantastic. So my goal is to apply to work in South America long-term rather than short-term. Oh, okay. Okay, very so cool. Like on the span of years versus mm -hmm. weeks or months. Okay, okay. So is it sort of like the doctor equivalent of like the Peace Corps, more or less? For sure, yeah. Okay, very, very cool. Um, so I guess go back to like when you're an undergrad, so you're doing all of this, you know, it sounds like very hard classes from what I'll, <laughs> it sounds very difficult and very time consuming. Um, but did you, were you involved with like any other involvements or extracurriculars like on top of schoolwork and these labs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have, I was and still am the president of Golden Key International Honor Society. And we do like just general service projects. Uh, we do attract a lot of pre-meds because they're looking for like those honor society things to add to their resume. Um, but we really welcome anyone to join our group. We do Relay for Life, Student Food Bank, um, a lot of those types of general service projects. We have so much fun doing it. We also, one of my favorites is making um, holiday cards for children at Sparrow Hospital because Sparrow's done so much for my education. It's so cool to give back to the ped, the pediatric population there, um, especially around the holidays when they'd probably rather be at home than they would in the hospital. So I did that. My family also has a dog and cat rescue. We've been around for about eight and a half years. So I was actively involved with that. I did the social media and the public relations. Um, it was also cool to do vaccines and things like that for the, the dogs and cats. Um, we've rescued over t almost 1200 animals at this point, which is just incredible for like a small family rescue in a small town. 
And then nowadays, as a medical student, I always thought like once you get to med school, you kind of stop doing everything besides school because like, you know, hard AF, but they really require you to, you know, still be involved with the, you know, community service and engagement. So um, that's how I met Chelsea, the president of MSU SciComm. Uh, we met um, in April this year when I was doing a presentation on the Sci-Files, which is a radio station show on Impact 89X, the MSU uh, radio station. And she's the, the co-host of that show. And she's also the president of SciComm. So once we presented, she's like, hey, do you wanna join and get more involved with SciComm? And for me, and I think a lot of others, there's a disconnect between medicine and graduate school. Although they are both at the graduate level, people view them very differently in like one's professional school, one's graduate school. And I'm trying to like really break that idea in that science influenced medicine so much and vice versa. And we should really communicate and collaborate more as students in training than just in the future when we're practicing you know, doctors and PhDs. So I thought that was a great opportunity and I had to jump on it. And so I've been working with SciComm the last few months. I'm the vice president of operations right now. And we do some really cool events, honestly. So we just, this past week, hosted our virtual SciArt exhibition. We had submissions from all over the world. So we had the Caribbean, South America, UK, China, really like all over the world submit science art to us. We had nearly 60 submissions and it's on our website. And it's cool to see like various people doing SciArt, people that are not scientists, people that really don't identify as artists even doing science art. So definitely check it out. It's worth your time. We also have a science blog and it's called the Sci Voices blog. And we have a lot of graduate students submit their work about sci policy, science, um, science art, anything going on really. And so I've also been able to contribute to that, which is really cool, contributing some more medical topics. And so I'm just really trying to bridge that gap between science and medicine, because they really kind of are one and the same. Yeah, yeah, that's something I was thinking about, because like, um, you know, I, I can't think of them saying, I'm like, well, you know, medicine is, is science. I mean, it's all biology or physiology or chemistry or whatever, like all of it like, is science at some point or at some part. And mm -hmm. But you often can't hear like I am a med student or like a grad student is like kind of two separate entities. And it's like even when I was talking to you, like I'm not really sure. Like oh, how, what do you consider yourself? But it sounds like oh, you can't like they should be one of the same or can't kind of thought of as one of the same, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I thought about doing a dual degree program, DO PhD. Um, there's about like four five students who do it every year. It's a long program, it's eight years. So that was the thing to me that was like, I don't know if I wanna spend eight years on something I'm not 100% positive I want to do. Um, so I knew for certain with 100% confidence I wanted to go to medical school. So I was totally down to do four years for that. I just wasn't positive on what else I wanted to do. And so it is kind of a regret at this point for me to not have en enrolled in a dual degree program. So now I'm thinking about doing the masters of public health or um, something else, but there are students who really bridge that gap better than like anyone else could. They work at the clinical and the scientific bench work level and really bridge the gap between the two. Um, but I'm trying to do it as just a medical student, which is unique. 
Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. And the MSU SciComp stuff that you mentioned, like that was cool. Like I had checked out the, the, the what you had just mentioned of like the, the new um, art project that you had put together mm -hmm. like in the, next, in the last day or two, it seemed mm -hmm. like. And so that, that was all super cool. And how long did you say that you're a part of like SciComp? It's been since about April or May. So it's not been too okay. long. Okay, very cool. Can you talk a little bit about like what SciComm does for the most part? Where SciComm is science communication, right? Um, yeah, what are kind of like the events that Sci MSU SciComm does? Yeah, so um, our group is MSU SciComm and it's really to make sure that science is not done until it's communicated. And it needs to be or communicated effectively for both scientists and lay people to understand it and appreciate it. Um, especially these days where pretty much everything is science or policy or a mix in between, um, especially election year, of course. So that's our goal. And so we do a lot of events. We have guest speakers and we're also planning a science communication conference for spring 2021. We'll have various workshop workshops on how to write a grant or how to make science art, things like that. Um, and we're really excited about it. We're gonna get some fantastic speakers and guests to come in and talk. And um, our goal is really just to commu communicate science with, of course, Michigan State students, but really try to um, work as far out as possible. So this science art exhibition that we just did reached people internationally. So that's really our goal. Very cool. Yeah, I had um, last year, like uh, Physics Girl was here. I remember that was like an MSU SciComm event. That was like very exciting for me. Um, and yeah, like- I joined and I didn't know about the event when it was going on, but I've definitely seen some of the highlights from the event and it looked really cool. So they, they work really hard. The pandemic has really changed the way we're doing things, but we are still giving it our best shot. Very cool. So when you were, so you said you're VP of operations, what does that entail? Uh, was that more planning of like, say this conference that you're talking about? Yeah, so I take care or help out the science policy, science literature and science art committee chairs. So I have my hand in like all pots, which is really cool. Um, I have always been interested in science art and science literature, but science policy is something new to me. Um, I hate when people say they're not political because they have to be in some way, um, but I really have never like done so much work or even really like, you know, made the effort to learn more about science policy until I joined SciComm. So it's cool to like do things that I like and know about science art, science literature, and then also be able to expand my horizons with um, learning more about science policy. Very cool. So switching gears a little bit. So you're like, you're, so you're a part of this, uh, the MSU SciComm. You're out there saving lives as a, as a med student. <laughs> um, what is like your work-life balance sort of look like? Do you have, do you have one? Um, it seems like, it seems like these things take a lot of time. <laughs> I'm just wondering like how you can uh, help maneuver through that. Um, that is probably the most important question you'll ask to be completely honest. Um, as a pre-med, I always was like, work, 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 nonstop. Um, I used to party a little bit, like have fun a little bit, 
but really like gave it up for a long time. And I know it may not seem like the most appropriate time, but as a medical student, I'm more like, I need to have like a social life. It's really not fair to my mental health to not do that. So I do try to see my friends regularly and see my family and have quality time when it's work time, it's work time. So I can be here in East Lansing, do work and not feel FOMO and all that stuff. And then I can go home, complete, completely forget about what's going on with my academics and with school and everything and just enjoy quality time. And I really have to learn to like shut my brain off to either or, because if you're sitting at home with your family worrying about like, I got this to do, I got this to do, you're really not enjoying your time. And so you really need to like shut your brain off to it. Um, and yes, I do quite a bit, but a lot of it is honestly quite fun. It's enjoyable stuff. I don't find a lot of it work, especially like the emergency room. That's fun for me like all day long. I enjoy doing IVs these days and I love talking to patients. I love specifically talking to patients like mental health stuff because I've definitely struggled with depression and um, I still don't understand my own depression. So like talking to people is almost therapeutic for me. Um, so yeah, I love what I'm doing. I don't find it burdensome, but yeah, social life is important. Try to go out as much as appropriate. Mm -hmm. well, that, that makes sense. I mean, you probably have to be like extra cautious too. Um, but yeah, it probably also helps that like you with your work, you can actually like, you're actually going to a place. You're not necessarily working from a home per se. So that probably helps to like distinguish the line between this is work time versus not work time. Absolutely. I can't imagine working from home because your desk is also like your dinner table and your family timetable. For me, everything's very separated. I got home in Macomb. I got, you know, Sparrow to do all my work. I come home to my apartment and I can be with my cat and just enjoy my time. And so there's nothing that really leaks into the other. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. When we we're, you know, before all this happened, like I enjoyed that. Like I'm at school, I can do it. And then I can go home. I'm like, I'm done with school because I am at home now. Now it's a little bit harder because now like, oh, this is my workspace. The three feet over is where is my sleep space. <laughs> um, and from a psychological perspective, that is really not healthy. Like you need the separation between your bed to do sleep and then your bed should not be there for work because then you can't sleep well or you can't work yeah. well. You really need separation of time, place, and activity to be productive in whatever you're doing, whether that productivity in sleep or productivity in your work. It's really super important. Yeah. Do you have any like suggestions or tips or insight that you would give either like current students in your position now or even say like incoming grad slash med school students or like undergrads thinking about this path? There was a loaded question that I just said on like three major things, but. Yeah, I think that's like the golden question. Like what can you do to prepare yourself in like mentally, physically or academically to, to finish med school? And um, for me, I think it is one, this is not your practice life. Go a hundred miles an hour right now because this isn't like the practice round where you can try again later if you want to do something do it and i mean that both academically and socially don't miss out on things because you have to study 
make a schedule that's productive and uh, efficient and effective for you and, and make both happen. Also, don't push off your mental health for anything academic because it will come back and get you. When you start medical school, it's a whole other level of rigor and of time commitment that if you're not, if you don't already have things in place to deal with your mental health, it may come back and get you even worse later on. So making those choices and seeing a counselor regularly earlier on is a great thing for you to do. Um, and really don't like neglect your family, bring them in on the process. It's a fun, it's not a fun time to be a med student. Is it really ever fun to be a med student? Arguable, but like come home and like tell them like what your day was like. It gives you that like cathartic release. Like sometimes you come home, I wonder what this patient's up to now. I wonder if that patient died, you know, like let it out. Um, because if you're carrying all these things in your mind, it can get you. Even only four months into the process of rotations, it's, I still think about these things here and there and, and talk it out. I think that's like good advice for, even if you're not a med student, just like grad student or just in general of whatever stressors that you may have in whatever situation you're in of talking it out. I know I am definitely one who just like, uh, I bottle it up inside. I'm like, maybe it'll just like, <laughs> equilibrate and <laughs> be okay. Venting is fun. Venting <laughs> is cathartic. It's it's not a bad thing. It it should be seen as like a good thing. Good thing for your mental health. Yeah. So you said you enjoyed the Lansing area, right? So what what is it that you like about around here? I love the Big Ten atmosphere. Obviously Corona has changed the way College Town looks these days, but I still find it um, very energetic. I love it. Um, there's also so many like activities to do around here. So like kayaking the Red Cedar is super cool. I love to do it. Um, there's great places to take walks. So um, I'm definitely an outdoorsy person when I have the chance. Um, so it's a very, it's just a combination of a lot of things. There's the hospital super close for my education. There's um, the energy for fun times. And then there's the the chill out stuff. So going on the Red Cedar, taking nice walks. I mean, down Shaw Lane, when it's changing colors on the trees, it's just absolutely beautiful. So it's really cool to be on there. Yeah, that's cool. I like, this is the first time that I've lived somewhere that actually has like fall. <laughs> so it's, it's cool to like see the nice. colorful leaves and whatnot. Of like, oh, there's, there's a change in color. <laughs> um, very cool. I have not I have not kayaked the the river, but I have like over the summer I would ride my bike around town a lot. You know, like part of the bike path, like it goes past the river, and I saw the kayaking and everything. So I'm like, that seems like a good activity to do sometime. Put it on the to do list. Yeah, yeah. I always do. The only time that I've kayaked when I first moved here, in like a week before grad school started, I went over to Lake Lansing. You could like rent over at the MSU center over there. That was cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this was really good. Um, thank you for coming on and doing this. Um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good to meet you. Um, thank you for, for joining.